You're listening to Consider This, episode 284, for March 9, 2020. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever, wherever, and whoever you are, it just keeps raining here, but you can come on in out of the rain for conservative commentary in 10 minutes or less. I'm Doug Payton, and this is the award-winning podcast, Consider This. Thanks for stopping by. Stop by the website, considerthis.ctpodcasting.com slash feedback for all the ways you can get your thoughts to me, just like a listener did this week. That's CT as in Consolidation Tuesday. A consolidation and some other thoughts surrounding Super Tuesday. And unions for thee, but not for me. That's coming up. The Facebook group now has 200 likes. So great to have that big a community. If you're not a part of it, just search for the Consider This Podcast on Facebook. See you there. I get emails. That's right. And you can write me and suggest show topics. Longtime listener Barb did just that, and here's what she said. Don't you find it interesting that both Amy and Pete dropped out of the race the day before Super Tuesday and are endorsing Biden? Normally, candidates drop out after the big day when they see the results. Must be some very powerful backroom negotiations with Pelosi and her crew at the head of the table. Desperately trying to derail crazy Uncle Bernie's momentum. Must be scaring the dickens out of him. Guessing they arm-twisted Amy and Pete, promising them big positions in the White House slash cabinet in the event of a Democratic victory, which they believe they can bring home, and on the flip side, told Biden that they will pick his VP candidate and this is how he wins, that he needs to get on board. I don't think Biden is smart enough or savvy enough to think this up himself, much less negotiated. I think it was an intervention. My oh my. I would be interested to hear your thoughts. And not only do I get emails, I send replies. This is basically what I said. Any thoughts I would have regarding why Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out before the big day would be no more than a guess. But I think Barb is right. The party apparatus saw how well Bernie was doing and thought either that he was too far to the left or, worse, that he was fine, but that he personally couldn't beat Trump. Or perhaps, they're fine with Bernie's ideas, but just not now. Maybe after eight years of Biden, the country would be ready for um, socialism. And sometimes I wonder if Biden just can't believe his party is sliding so far down the slippery slope. So much has changed since he got into politics. Indeed, candidates usually drop out after seeing the writing on the wall. Perhaps this time, instead of the primaries doing the writing, the Democratic Party did, with promises of sweet jobs that would be a better launching pad to the presidency. Mayor Pete especially has plenty of time for a future run and desperately needs a better resume. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends and The Brian Kilmeade Show. You're listening to 10 Minutes or Less, conservative podcast. Consider this. Well, speaking of Super Tuesday, on the Democrat side, it really looks like we're down to a two-man race at this point. Say what you want about a youthful and diverse Democratic Party, 
what they are left with are the two old white guys. And who would have thought that Joe Biden would be the youngest Democrat male candidate left standing? That's one takeaway from the primaries. Another one is that money doesn't necessarily buy you the votes. I saw Molly Hemingway on Fox News say something to the effect that if $600 million only gave Michael Bloomberg six delegates, then how can you say that Russia, which spent $300,000 on Facebook ads, influenced the 2016 election? It's a fair point. And another takeaway is that in the aftermath of Super Tuesday, Elizabeth Warren suspended her campaign. Is this sexism at work here? Well, if it is... You can't blame it on the usual suspects. Jim Garrity, writing at National Review, breaks it down. If this is indeed sexism, then it is a sexism that is rampant among Democratic primary voters in 19 states now. Two-thirds of women in Massachusetts voted for someone else. For once, Warren fans can't blame Republicans or Donald Trump or Fox News or conservatives. This was a contest among their own. If sexism indeed tanked Warren's campaign, it means the Democratic Party and its voters are as much an obstacle to women's advancement as that dastardly GOP is. The sexism is coming from inside the House. You can expect to hear Democrats come to the realization that rejecting a woman for a job isn't automatically bigotry. Well, that will last until a Republican does it, of course. The Democratic Party has typically been known as a friend of labor unions. However, Donald Trump has been eroding some of that support with bringing manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. and promises of infrastructure rebuilding. Democrats would still like you to believe that they hold a lock on caring for workers through the unions. Except, of course, when they are the ones having to deal with unions. The most recent example of this is the liberal activist site The Young Turks, TYT for short. Cenk Uger runs that site, and he called a meeting to discourage employees from forming their own union. His talk, at times emotional, the staffer said, with Uger throwing his papers to the ground at one point and chastising an employee, seemed to contradict the progressive workers' first ethos that TYT broadcasts to its millions of lefty followers. Jack Gerard, who is acting as the company's chief operating officer as Uger runs for Congress in California, told the staff they were not discouraging the unionization. But the message from Uger was clear, and, to at least some staffers, discouraging. So basically the message is, you people watching us should form unions, but we should be exempt from them. It's interesting that he's all for fairness for workers, except when the workers are his. Now, his argument was that a union does not belong at a small, independent outlet like TYT. He said that if there had been a union at the network, it would not have grown the way it has. So then, he's saying that unions restrict growth. At least, that certainly sounds like what he's saying. Or maybe he's saying that smaller companies shouldn't have to pay fair wages. (laughs) Whatever he means by fair. I think unions generally have more negatives than positives which is why the percentage of workers who are in a union has dropped to 10%. But for or against unions, either way, no matter how you parse his words, it's not a good look for Chink.
We have a 13-inch rain surplus where I am. So I'm just going to sit inside and read your emails and listen to your phone calls. What do you see, good or bad, coming out of Super Tuesday? What are your thoughts on unions, good or bad? Call me at 267-CALL-CT0, 267-225-5280. Write me at considerthisatctpodcasting.com or visit the website considerthis.ctpodcasting.com where you'll find a transcript and links to everything I referred to. The election season is well underway. Now's a great time to let me know what you think so that we can all consider this.